the same hand. My first trip, yeah, I decided to go to Turkey. It was in the year 1970-something. Yeah. I was 17 years old and I decided to to go uh, hitchhiking. There, there was no uh, buses or things like that. The way to travel and uh, it was was hitchhiking. And uh, I found that, that very easy, particularly in Turkey, because the people were so welcoming, uh, you know. this. At this time, the, the country was poor, there was no roads. At, uh, at what time on the South Dakota to, uh, to buy a donkey, I found a, uh, uh, an English hitchhikers and we both, both bought a donkey to cross <laughs> the road there because there were no roads to go to the uh, Syria and then to Lebanon. And that was my first encounter with uh, Turkey and I, was, I, was, I found that so easy and the difference when the people told me, well, you went there this time, you know, Turkey was seen as a very remote and difficult country, and I was very proud to say, yes, it was very easy. And uh, my father pushed me to, to do things like that because he, he had the memories of his uh, 17 years old trip. It was for, for him a, a nice way to become an ad adult, to hitchhike <laughs> through countries. And he wanted probably uh, live again this history for me, you know. And uh, it was also for me a way to be recognized by, by my father, you know, to, <laughs> to do things like that. But I knew that after a while he was, he, he was very, very scared because, like, never sent any news. And I've heard he was crying and was, you know, very scared. It was 100 kilometers be before my family house in, in, in Rennes. I was hitchhiking very quietly, uh, and he came with the car in front. And he, <laughs> he saw me, he was, you know, so... And uh, I felt very, very recognized uh, in, in the eyes of my father because I was very cool. I have still some money. <laughs> and uh, he said, do you want to eat? Do you no, I was, everything's okay. And, and my, the, the, the friend who was with my father was very astonished, and so I, I was beaming. <laughs> so at this time I lived in Brittany with my family, and uh, I, alone I hitchhiked. If I decided at those age to, to hitchhike before, it was a bit of an imitation of my father uh, when he, he, he went out from Berlin, when he was to, he had to escape at 17 years old because he was Jewish. But for him, this first travel out of Berlin to escape the uh, Hitlerian regime was uh, appeared for him like a, a holidays, you know, hitchhiking holidays. <laughs> out of Berlin through Italy, it was like, a, and then he came back to France, and then odd thing began then. But uh, the beginning was like a holidays. His father escaped to the only country that was possible. It was in uh, Brazil and then Uruguay. It is very strange because my grandfather was, in fact, very German proud. <laughs> if he was totally ruined. But there was this surrealistic discussion with, between my father and my grandfather. Uh, my father became very French, you know, very believing in the French values, something like that. But my grandfather 
he went back to to Germany after that in, in Berlin. He got some money in compensation for what happened. And uh, but he was, you know, very proud to be uh, in in Germany, a very strong <laughs> country. And I remember he told me, "Your army <laughs> was destroyed in in four weeks. It was, you you are a terrible country." <laughs> and uh, yeah, but I could have answered to my grandfather, "Yes, you are proud to be now in Germany. You believe in the German cultural language. You feel well in in." in. But you you are. Polish for a long time ago, and they never gave you the uh, German passport. It's not like the French, you know. But it was this confrontation be between my grandfather and father on this nationality opposition of culture between the French and w which country you have to choose when you are a you a Jew uh, going <laughs> to have to escape all the time, you know. You have to find a place to live and to believe in, you know, and to uh, and there was. Not the same for my grandfather and my father. And I discovered that my grandfather was only the third. He, he, he always tell us he is an only child. But there was two child dead before him. Maybe he probably doesn't know. He lived till uh, 95 <laughs> years old. And it was just luck, you know, because the, the rate of child death was very high. Hi. He got through the First World War. He was uh, Austrian army uh, against the Russian, but it was all the regimented troops. Uh, there were Jews from every part of this uh, big former Austrian empire. And when the first time they met the, the Russian, you know, suddenly put the, the white flag, <laughs> only the officer <laughs> went marching with all killed, but <laughs> they were not. They didn't want to, to, to fight, you know, because it was terrible, you know, the first war when you were a soldier, so many dead. And then prisoner, but self-running their, their prisoner camp because the, the revolution <laughs> didn't want to look after the prisoner and making business or doing like, like that. It was, it was funny, you know. He, he, he tell the story as a wonderful time. <laughs> <laughs> and he escaped to go back to Berlin, uh, with a, from synagogue to synagogue. And all this adventure was very funny, <laughs> lucky, and, and it was okay. And he, so he went through the First World War, through the Shoah. But of course, I didn't want to, to be exactly like my father, so I, more, I became more radical. It was, uh, I became Maoist and things like that. And it was not a real revolution. It was very kind and very polite. There was no uh, barricade or uh, thing like that. I came from Villeurbanne, you know. It's the suburb of Lyon, where I used to live with, the, in fact, a lot of immigrants, Jews or uh, Greeks, Spanish, you know, from the Spanish war and so on. And... Uh, I was a bit mm, not so happy to be in Brittany, in uh, Rennes, because it's the capital and it was very much more petit bourgeois. I didn't find the, you know, the, uh, the cosmopolitan atmosphere like I had in, uh, I used to live in, in Villeurbanne. I discovered and I make a very strong link with the son of farmer, because the, uh, I discovered that the son of farmer and the farmer themselves, you know, they are very open 
to, to the world, you know. They, are, they, are, they feel like a community of farmers all around the world. They, are, they were m much more open to the uh, world revolution, what happened. It was the, the time of liberation, you know, independence of uh, mostly uh, farmer <laughs> countries. And so I felt very, very well and I have a very strong relation. And, uh, and they, those people move suddenly. We were you know, a very tiny political group of uh, 15. And suddenly in, we were hundred and hundred. <laughs> because those people are very, you know, when they decide to do things, they're all together, they came in the street and we were in the head of uh, thousands of students. <laughs> It was very interesting, you know. After the revolution stops, my friend and I, uh, I was uh, took them about my trip to former trip to Liban, and to, and we decided also to, but this time to go with a small dashboard, a very small Citroen car, to go to to Turkey, and uh, the, we decided also that to choose the road through the. Um, the eastern country and the socialist country and we stay a bit in uh, Hungary and there we found a, a group of uh, East German you know and I was very attracted that they were East German East German leftists not at all in the official communist party but they were in their way uh, leftists inside the, the, the socialist country and it was very interesting for us and of course because the girls came from Berlin. It was a way to uh, to go, and to, I was focused by the the town of origin of my father, and I was so I decided to to go there to to see to visit Helga, the mother of my child. Most of the time, I, I went hitchhiking from uh, from Brittany to Berlin, and at this time, during because there was uh, the Iron Curtain, but because of the special statute of Berlin, because it was run by the Allies, you know, you have the right to have a 24-hour visa very easily at the border. You just have to wait one hour and be uh, scrutinized and uh, searched and so on. But uh, it was easy to cross. So in this way, I could stay uh, Five, uh, five, six days there and, uh, to visit her. I was very amazed because at those times Berlin was, you know, be derelict, but keep all, all the uh, appearance of the uh, Berlin of the the year uh, 1930s, much like the film, you know, street with only one small light. And I was very attracted because it was like you know a piece of uh, history the town of my father you know and uh, it was not at all like West Berlin it was a, a, a bit of a reconstruction by the Americans you know by modern and they, they wanted to to make this old Germany disappear you know to cover everything and uh, you have to imagine what was the, the, the border at this time. It was, in fact, very attracting because that was a real border, you know, with, with barbed wire, uh, guns, uh, dogs, uh, 
uh, queuing and people looking at you, searching you. It's, uh, each time uh, 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 very uh, frightening. When I leave the last <laughs> uh, station of the West, my heart began to, <laughs> to pound. <laughs> I've been always very attracted by borders, but when you want to have had a real border, <laughs> it was it was this, you know, very strong. And, and each time my my heart was beating because of course I have to uh, I, I bring things that was not allowed or you know, for example um, records of uh, uh, Rolling Stone, you know, it was not possible. So what I did, I took the record case of uh, uh, Christmas Carol and I cut it around, <laughs> you know, to put on the record. So it was like a record of a Christmas Carol, so like that. But, you know, at those times they could really have listened if it was their real Christmas Carol, but they, they didn't, you know. Yeah, you could be uh, in jail for two days and then thrown out, but with um, uh, no possibility of going back again, you know. And uh, my Helga, the mother of my child, could have some difficulties to be thrown out from her job or things like that. It was not easy, uh, especially in this time in the 1980s, you know. So. Men never made the decision that <laughs> having child, it's always the women in general. It was the uh, feminist time in East and, uh, and the West. But she said, I decide to have a child alone. It's not your problem, it's, uh, it's mine. You know? And I say, yes. <laughs> I was kind of hippie at this time with no families and no plan, but the perspective of being a Father is always something, and uh, and I was protected by the strong, <laughs> the strong border. Not only that, but also that those time the um, lonely mother was very protected in the socialist country, and daycare facilities and things like that. I, I didn't put her in a difficult uh, situation. I wanted to recognize the child, yeah, and. Uh, the only thing they were interested in was how much money that I have to pay each month. And uh, I said, and they asked me, what the name, because you can have a second name for the child. I say, yes, I've thought of Sarah. And the women told me, you know, in uniform, Sarah. <laughs> because it's a Jewish name. And I retreated. <laughs> and no, she, she only had the... The, his current name is Francisca. My daughter is not particularly happy with this because it's a very old-fashioned uh, name. But the mother wanted to, to have something with kind of French inside, you know, Francisca. <laughs> so she had the, this name, you know. And you know, for my daughter, when she became four, five, six years old, and she, mother told her, you, ne you must never say you have a father abroad in West Country. You know? And she was shocked you know, not to be able to speak about the, the father. And to, to keep a secret like that was very strange and very hard to sustain. I mean, it's very difficult not to be able to tell that to uh, her girls uh, in, the, in the school was very hard. She told me that it was 
it's very difficult to do it. It's too heavy a, a secret for a, for a child at this age, you know. And she, I think she respected it. Because for her, uh, when I, I come, it was a major event, you know, two or three times in a year for short periods, bringing special things, you know, orange, pineapples, uh, the things that they can find at all, you know. They, but once I even work there, crossing each day, the, the workers in the West say, where do you live? I say, in Esperin. They say, wow, <laughs> you cross every day. <laughs> I cross the border every morning to go to, uh, to work in a construction site. You know? And it was my only time I stayed there, three weeks. Once I, I've lost my uh, paper of the visa, you know, when I had to go back to West Berlin, and they were very tough, you know. I, it was, okay, everything on the, that uh, on the pocket on the table, and they put me naked, and they were looking, and they're discussing uh, two hours on the, what, I, what I've done, and so Because maybe they believe I've sell my paper to somebody to help him to cross or thing like that. It was a, a very impressive uh, <laughs> situation. Yeah. But I've discovered after the falling of the walls that I have a file by the Stasi, you know. They knew that where I worked, what I'd done, what I said in some places. To, you know, just, uh, nothing uh, terrible, but uh, I have a file. Before the, 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 the wall fell, it was the worst for my daughter, because at those times, they began to be a bit more liberal. So they issued some permission to people to go for a family uh, event, uh, a wedding or things like that in the West. And uh, at those point, my daughter began to believe it, it was it, it was possibility for to to come, and when they have a refusal, she was very very down, you know, because uh, it, before it was no question, but at this time it was possible, and I had a new child, so I would like to have my daughter there and so on, and they they say no, no possibility. Six months later, she could come, you know. <laughs> it was difficult because they have to to find a passport and they were not allowed to cross the Belgium, but it was the first time that uh, they succeeded to come and it was, uh, it was not expected and crying there when they, come, they came in the first time in Paris, you know, it was a dream. It was very moving. Uh, uh. So the first encounter was in the station in Paris, you know, and it was funny because when my, the mother of my daughter arrived, she looked around, she, because for her, West is you know, a splendid thing. And the, in fact, the Gare de l'Est, his uh, station in Paris is a bit <laughs> not, not very much different than the, the station in East Germany. And then when we get home, and I remember that uh, my daughter was in the kitchen, uh, uh, my daughter for you know Germany, and she look around the the uh, the fridge, and I say, wow, it's she's my daughter. She's in my kitchen and opening the fridge, looking around what she can take. It was a very important factor. She's home. She could be home here. You know, so before it was. So much dream, pictures, uh, figuring how the life is Paris, in Paris is. 
but that was the very concrete, you know, a, a 16 years old uh, girls looking around, taking some things, a bit of milk, and, <laughs> and I was a bit from outside, say, wow, that's the first, you know, gesture of uh, being here uh, in, in a Western country, in my place, like a her place too. My wife, she was very welcoming. She, she was more moved than me to receive uh, my daughter and uh, her mother, you know, to, to France. And uh, it was very moving. And I am very glad that my wife was so... Uh, she was more involved than me to, to receive them. And, uh, she was very protective about the child, you know, to have create bond with, between father and, uh, and the daughter. It was very important for her. But uh, in fact, uh, the most tears came when, when the, the mother and the daughter went back to Berlin because all this, you know, excitement gave place to tears. And I've always think of myself uh, good hair of my father and that my grandfather <laughs> that he settled in France add to the French value, the French Revolution, you know, because the French Revolution was the first country that opened their home to the Jew and give, gave the French nationality to the Jew was not, never was in, in Germany like that or in, in any country. So uh, the tradition of the French Jew is to strongly be uh, in addition to the values of the French uh, Revolution, the French uh, state. And in fact, at the moment, you know, with the evolution of the situations, we are not so strongly attached. What are these values now in France and are they still alive? And uh, is, does that make sense to be attached to those values where they, where they are very weak, not existing very well, replaced by modern communication uh, things. All this value, they're very strong when I was in school, you know, the tolerance with the people from abroad are not very much alive, you know, it's, it's, a, very, it's a problem. So, uh, and even been with Paris, I was always in love in Paris, and, now, you know, begin to to be a bit less. But maybe it's 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 uh, positive to not to be so <laughs> stick to old values. The Same Hand is a project produced and edited by Duncan Kidney. Our website is thesamehand.com, where you can find more info and other episodes. Thanks so much for listening.